Casual Football and Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined as always by co-host Ryan Donnelly. We will also be joined by special guest Alan Saunders a little bit later in the show. Uh, he will introduce himself then. But before we get to that, we have a run of games to talk about here on the Week 3 watch list. Ryan, what's up, man? How's it going? Oh, we're living, Pat. We are living. Um, it is, like we talked about, just to get everyone excited for this preview, it is the worst week of the season, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, however, we do have some rivalry games. They're going to get some attention this week that otherwise would not in a good week. So I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, we uh, we get to watch. You know, people are going to have their eyes in some games that normally would be kind of ignored. So it's good to have that happen. Um, also, we have our buddy Alan Saunders joining us for a few segments on this. Yep. He's not going to be on for the full show, but you guys will hear Alan... Um, for the Penn State at Illinois games and the Pitt at WU backyard brawl rivalry. Uh, Alan covers Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and it's really, really great. I think you guys will love those segments. So you will hear them when appropriate. Yeah. Um, Shit. I just this. I just realized I didn't I forgot to I'll have to send him a, a text or something. I forgot to ask him to weigh in on your whole uh safeties wins metric for Troy Palomalu versus Ed Reed. I wanted to get his thoughts oh, that's on correct. that. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I wanted See, to see there the guys the yeah. way you can tell I'm correct is like there are people on on like NFL Twitter who are going to the point. Some of these guys are our friends. I'll say not, not the first I'm about to mention, but like Kevin Clark and and Ben Solak are going to like the whole. They took it from QB win or QB or wins aren't a quarterback stat, right? To now they were saying wins aren't a team stat. To John Rivers, who's our friend on Twitter's take that uh, winning doesn't matter, and the only, the only <laughs> metric you can judge by is how much you get paid. Um, <laughs> Which is really <laughs> funny, but I'm going the opposite direction. I'm going to say you can judge every individual player off of their record, whether yeah. they lost record in their career. Yeah, um, I think that's the college football right way to think about it. If you're right guard and your team's not winning, it's your fault. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you're an NFL player, you don't give a shit. It doesn't matter. Who cares? It is just about how much you're getting paid. But uh, college football, you're only here for the wins. You're not doing anything else. If you're losing games, you're just wasting everybody's time. Um, but unironically, I... there are people that are going to say like JT Barrett was a better quarterback than CJ Stroud because he beat Michigan more often. Like that's yeah. a real take that is like probably he cared more. more popular in the fan base. He cared more. He did care more. You can't argue that he did care more. <laughs> he cared, <laughs> he, that, he, that motherfucker cared a lot more. He was playing with his Achilles in his sock. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, hard to argue with that. Uh, before we jump into this, and uh, like you said, this is not an especially good week. I do think it's kind of a nice palate <laughs> cleanser before the amazing week four that we're going to get into a week from now. Um, you can get kind of a break. You can lay back a little bit. Don't need to be too invested. But uh, before we can talk about this week, uh, we should probably advertise two things. First things first, meet at midfield.com. Uh, it is our website. It's the place where you can get the premium podcast, once weekly premium podcast. We just unlocked one, but usually those will be behind the paywall. Uh, you get access to the excellent, as always, message board, which is um, just as as populated as ever. Once now that we're in the season, you get game threads for each slate, and then also for the biggest games of the week. Don't know if there's going to be one for that this week, other than probably backyard brawl. I would assume we'll get one because we do have a decent like a kind of surprising number of pit fans on the message board. And so we'll probably open that up for their sake. Um, but uh, it's awesome over there. The message board is fantastic. You can get the premium posts uh, as well. The scheme standouts, watch list, uh, Ryan's hangover uh, on, on, is that Sunday or that Monday? It's usually Sunday, right? It depends on, on how bad the actual hangover is, but it's usually, ah. it's almost always Sunday. Yeah, so you get um, that, and then you get Ryan's weekly column as well as the Ohio State and Michigan stuff from writers Kevin and Taylor. Um, Ryan, am I missing anything with me to midfield? 
No, man, that's about the size of it. Uh, I am pretty hyped about this. Uh, the projects go really well, and and the site's doing awesome. We've we've had some great folks chime in there, and always get new ones from different corners of the college ball world. So, um, I I keep saying this, but it really is like the only national college ball message board that isn't like horrendous to be on and full of like monsters. Just the most like yeah yeah just monsters I, like subhuman, <laughs> just yeah. sort of walking around car dealership owners, things of that nature. Um, <laughs> we do have, there's a stunning number of Rick Reichert, uh, fan accounts. On the we have two or three. We are dealing meet at midfield. We're dealing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. There is sort of a lot of, there's, there's a lot of less kind of, uh, just horrible monstrous people on the message board. And so that's good. If you don't like horrible, monstrous people, it's a good place for you. Um, if you do like horrible, monstrous people, Ryan, where should where should you go? What website should you go to to find things for you know putting on your on your scary, freaky little body that has nine different arms and you know ten feet tall? Yeah, if you're a multi limb creature of the abyssal plane, uh, there is nowhere better for you than meet at midfield.com. Oh, sorry, just kidding. That's our website. <laughs> no, uh, no, that's no, also don't send true. Them there. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, just kidding. It's actually, uh, it's, it's actually homefieldapparel.com. Um, we've that been, is where all the multi multi-lim- We've been doing the ads for them for like a year and a half and you still don't know. <laughs> Dude, I just started messing up. I never did it until the last like two weeks. All of a sudden I can't get the fucking ads right. It's insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, if you have uh, several limbs, if you have, you know, like uh, a head covered in nothing but eyeballs, if you're a biblically accurate angel, yeah, uh, there is nowhere better to clothe your corporeal form than homefieldapparel.com, which still is not responsible for the uh, shirtwaist triangle factory fire yeah. um, and does offer the best vintage collegiate apparel uh, in the world um, and certainly on the Internet. Uh, and you can get 15 percent off your first purchase with Homefield Apparel by using the code meet at midfield. Yeah, that's all true. I have no, I have no arguments with any of that. Usually, we do sort of a point counterpoint with the home field ad, but uh, I agree with all of that. I have no dissenting opinion. Friday, September fifteenth, Guantanamo Bay game, um, Utah State at Air Force, eight p.m. on CBS SN. There no longer are divisions in the Mountain West, and so this does not mean quite as much as it used to because these were both teams that would consistently contend for the Mountain Division, but. I do think that this is two of the better teams in the Mountain West based on what I have seen from these two. Very different styles. Uh, Air Force, I think people know what they run. Utah State, very wide open spread offense. They like to pass the ball, but they've been running their shit out of it this year. They have three really good running backs, and I think that that will be a focus here. Um, Both of these teams have been hitting really, really hard this season. I I think that as weeknight games go, and there's not a whole lot else going on in this, this weeknight slate. We got two other games here. Um, this one's pretty good. This is a fun clash of styles. I think that this is two pretty good teams. Very interested to see who wins. I don't have a great feel for who's going to win, despite the fact that I cover Utah State full-time. Um, I just, I think it could go either way. Utah State has had the advantage both of the last two years. Air Force kind of struggles to cover that wide open spread offense. They don't have the speed really to handle it. I think Utah State has a pretty good shot in this one, even on the road, but I think it's going to be really competitive and pretty easily the most compelling television product of these three on Friday night. I would, I would recommend it. Yeah. I will take your word for it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. Like these are, these are some games that I, I probably will not be indulging in. In fact, I do have some plans for Friday night, not to spoil the preview, but yeah, I am. uh, I'm going to the 70 millimeter IMAX showing of 2001, a space odyssey in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I'm pretty hyped about that. So yeah. uh, this is cool too, though. I think they are going to put on the Virginia at Maryland game on the 70 millimeter IMAX after that wraps up. So yeah. hopefully you can catch the back half of that. I, I need to tell you real quick about the only time that I've ever watched that movie because I think you're really going to like this. Um, it was I watched it in like five or six 45 minute blocks in a film art class that I took in high school. Worst possible way to watch any movie, but especially that movie. It was uh not the best first impression. usually when, when they're like showing them when they're showing a movie to you in high school it's like you know you're seeing like the the denzel washington civil war movie yeah uh with the guy from ferris bueller uh and uh you're you're watching it like over two weeks yeah uh in the last week of the year after you finish your you finish your test yeah it's this, like this was a that's specific, an insane way this yeah. was a specific movie watching class this was this was class where we just watched different movies and talked about well them. the reason you you did go to leslie leslie wexler high in new albany yeah and i do believe the reason they showed you that as an example to get you to look up what happened to stanley kubrick after he made a movie about yeah. you know elite people having pedophile rings across the world yeah i do think that was probably a warning shot across the bow to yeah. the the kind of types that would take a film art class. We we also well the type that was taking the film art class was largely people who didn't want to do a real class, and so that was that was really my <laughs> that was what appealed to me more than anything else was that I didn't have to take a real class. Although that class did expose me to uh, I don't know it was like a man with the man with a video camera or something the Russian avant garde movie from like nineteen nineteen, and I was driven almost completely insane by that movie it was it was a really really bad experience for me uh so shout out to uh the russians i guess next up here most wanted army at utsa 7 p.m on espn i don't think army has a whole lot of juice this year and utsa is very much still figuring things out uh did not look especially good against texas state obviously lost to houston in a pretty disappointing manner um i would assume utsa wins this game is another fun styles clash i think that this is just a uh this is not that far off from Utah State Air Force. I think if you want Utah State Air Force, you could watch this as well, and you would get a pretty similar idea. I don't think Army is anywhere near as good as Air Force. I don't think Utah State is as good as UTSA, but it could still be fun. It's a fun styles clash. There's there's something worth watching here if you care about these teams at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm intrigued by that. Um, what do we have next on the list here? Uh, Virginia at Maryland, 7 p.m. on FS1. No, thank you. This is in the no-fly list nope. category. Uh, I'm uh, I'm good. I think I'm good on that. I would I would imagine that Maryland is probably going to run away with this one. Saturday, September 16th, noon, Guantanamo Bay game, Kansas State at Missouri, SEC Network. Sell me on this. You, you bumped this one up. I think Kansas State's going to roll here. I don't much care for this Missouri team. I would assume that this is a, a comfortable win, but uh, what, what are you seeing here? Well, I think the argument is that basically this is supposed to be the, uh, I don't know, it's supposed to be like the best offensive line in the country or close to it, right? Basically what Kansas State's working with. Yeah. And they've been like good, but not great through a couple of weeks. Uh, Missouri, I mean, they've at least won both their first two games, right? They're in this game 2-0, and oh, um, which is something. I, I th- It's only a five-point line on the spread, which, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, uh-huh. given that Missouri just beat Middle Tennessee State by four last week and looked pretty bad doing it. I uh, Five points is generous, I think, for, for this it's, team. But it's suspicious, right? Yes. Like it's, that, that's what I mean. Like When a line is like, I think this should be a two-touchdown win for Kansas State. I agree. But like when the line is that far off of our expectations, I start getting a little suspicious. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure what to expect in that case. I mean – Credit to them. Brady Cook has been 
like actively good through two weeks. Yeah. Um, he's completing 78% of his passes, yeah. uh, which is kind of nuts there. I mean, they, they've done pretty well. Uh, they haven't really played anybody. I think there's a chance that like Kansas state kind of gets in their ass a bit on defensive pressure and just blows them up. Cause I mean, he really has barely been hit this season. Um, I don't know. I'm excited to watch it. I mean, Luther Burden's pretty fun to watch. Um, you know, they have Mookie Cooper and Theo Wiesa. Like we talked about some of those guys are a little bit overrated, but they're still kind of fun to enjoy, especially Luther Burden. Uh, he already has 213 yards through two games. Kind of intrigued by that. He could probably play well against Kansas State. They replaced a bunch in the secondary. Um, I'm just intrigued to kind of see this matchup play and figure out why this line was so close and like if we're crazy or if they are. Yeah, that's fair. Most wanted, LSU at Mississippi State on ESPN. Um, I don't know, man. I don't really believe in this Mississippi State team all that much. I do think that this is, you know, they, they're built well enough. They have a quarterback that they, they could kind of make this a game. It's at home. It's going to be a tough environment. I would assume that this is an LSU uh, showing its strength kind of game, though. I, I think LSU just had a get right, and I would imagine that this is another get right. But it is a, it's a it's an SEC conference game between two teams that, you know, in LSU's case is trying to return to the top of the national, you know, uh, radar, which they're not on right now. And Mississippi State may be a bowl team. I, I, that's There's probably something there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I don't know. I want to see LSU, like, they got their ass by Florida State, then played Grambling State. I want to see them against another power five opponent just to get a measure of them here. Um, because they should win this game comfortably. So I'd like to see that happen, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I think that's fair. Next up here, we have Penn State, Illinois, Fox. Uh, this is in the most wanted category, and we're going to be joined here for the first of two times by a special guest. Uh, Ryan, who we've got on the call? We got our buddy Alan Saunders here joining us from uh, everything. Alan covers everything. Uh, <laughs> he is online, covers the Steelers, covers Penn football, covers WU, covers Penn State. Uh, Alan, I will let you introduce yourself, and uh, I know you're going to do a couple sessions with us. Uh, anything you want to plug, uh, now is a great time to do it before we do the games and and tell us uh, tell people they should know about you. Yeah, I'm Alan Saunders. I've been covering Pittsburgh sports for, I don't know, 10 years now or so. I think I've covered – all the major and all of the minor and some of the unheard of teams in, in Pittsburgh sports. And so, yeah, I've covered a little bit of everything, but excited to talk college football with you guys again. And uh, very interesting uh, college football season for us here in, in the area with the three teams that we cover at Pittsburgh sports now and, and our partner sites, uh, WV sports now and Nittany sports now. So glad to talk about these games and, and Penn state, man, I think they're a very interesting team in college football this year. Yeah, I feel the same. I, I've been kind of keeping my eye on them so far. Obviously, the big national headline has been Drew Aller and his emergence. Um, they played uh, West Virginia, who we're going to talk about with you in a little bit here uh, later on in the podcast. Uh, but they played them in week one and took care of business pretty comfortably. Um, what have you seen so far from kind of Aller and that, and I guess specifically the Penn State offense um, in the first couple of weeks of the season? I think it's a very good situation for a young quarterback. I mean, he came in last year and he did was not the starter but he played a ton you know so it's like you have a first time starting quarterback but you you kind of avoid that like early season uncertainty you get about a guy that you haven't seen before i just think there's a lot of comfortability because of how much he did play in those sort of relief appearances that he got last year and then it's a team that runs the ball really really well and so he's not asked to be 
the hero. He's just asked to be the kind of director of things. And I think it's a great situation for a talented young quarterback to, to really be his best. You know, I think this is probably a team that if you look at where their best players line up in terms of what class they're in, like maybe a year away from the best team they can put on the field. But I think they can be dangerous this year because of the way they're protecting their young quarterback. They really get after it on defense too. But I, I think this offense just is doing a really good job with Aller. He's obviously really talented, but I think we're seeing a, just a smooth transition into him being the starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, Pat, I'm also curious. I think we're going to talk about the game as a whole in a second, but just to highlight the two teams quickly, uh, I know you and I talked about Illinois a lot last season, a little bit less this year as they, as they kind of lost a ton, <laughs> to yeah. be honest, they lost so many pieces from last year's team. They're now doing well in the NFL. Um, any kind of takes from you so far you've seen from, from Illinois on that, that game against Kansas, we both watched last week or the Toledo game the week prior. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, it can be broken down basically into two categories. There are the things that have been better than expected, which is Luke Altmeyer, and then there are the things that have been worse than expected, which is every other part of the Illinois roster. Um, <laughs> and that's not to say that expectations were super high. Like, we knew it was going to be difficult, but it has been really, 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 really difficult for these guys so far. Um, those defensive tackles we've talked about a million times on this show are excellent and as advertised, but these cornerbacks are really, really rough, and they've had a really hard time working around that. In general, this defensive back seven just isn't in the right place very often. That was a big problem against Kansas. Kansas does that to a lot of teams, but it's still just, they're not really playing to their assignments especially well at this point. Obviously, they had a coaching change at defensive coordinator that contributed some to that, but there is continuity there. Um, it's just that they have a lot of new pieces and they're not really clicking yet on that side of the ball, which is really what needed to be the strength of this team. And then the offense, Luke Altmaier can make some throws. He's shown that, but he also can make some really, really bad decisions. And there's not a ton there other than Isaiah Williams. And so this is one that, you know, last year we would have been all over this year. I don't know that Illinois really has much of anything going for it in this kind of game other than just a couple high potential guys, guys who we know can play well, and then hoping for the best from their young quarterback. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to describe it. And like the, the point you made about the secondary is pretty spot on. Like the only two guys who have played well at all in that secondary so far are the Scots, uh, Miles and Xavier. And one of them switched over from receiver like six months ago, right. um, like, like in the middle of spring ball because of how bad the rest of the secondary was. Uh, they just don't have a ton there right now in the secondary. And obviously Aller has shown a lot with his ball placement. And, and I think like Penn State's receivers to me are still really raw. Uh, and I don't know if they have a ton there, but I, I do think that just like Aller himself can create a passing game. And I think especially Catron Aller, the two running backs, a really competent uh, pass catcher. Obviously they have, uh, they still have Brenton Strange there at tight end. Uh, or Strange, that's not true. It's no, it's... Um, Theo Johnson. Theo Johnson. Strange is now in the NFL. That's right. Theo, that's right. I got my years mixed up. Uh, Theo Johnson's there now who I did like in week one. I didn't see much of him last week against Delaware. Can't say I was locked in on that game. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> no, I, I do like what Aller has done. One thing I'm curious to watch, we mentioned the defensive tackles, uh, Jerzon Newton and and, uh, and Keith Randolph there, is that when Aller like had bad reps last year, and I think in spring too, it came when there was pressure up the middle. Like I think he's improved a lot with his footwork and looks a little better on the move. 
but he did not really no one looks very comfortable in the face of pressure but i think he, he kind of especially panicked a bit when there was an interior pass rush and did not feel super comfortable uh rolling out when he didn't design to it um i'm kind of very curious how he handles that because when illinois can't do much the one thing they uh, certainly can do is create pressure up the middle yeah, I think that I think this is a better test for the Penn State offensive line. I think that's been one of the big question marks of this team throughout really like James Franklin's tenure is that he has not really put together what I consider a good offensive line in terms of both being able to pass block and run block. He's they've had some good offensive linemen. Obviously, they're one of the best offensive linemen in the country in left tackle Olafashanu, but like are they going to be a good offensive line overall? Like, I don't know that we know that right now. And I do yeah. think when you're talking about a young quarterback, a lot of his play is going to be tied into how well he gets protected, you know, because I think he'll get the ball out. He's a good throw. You know, he's a good thrower. It'll just be about the decision-making and can he avoid making mistakes? If we recall our Penn State Illinois history, um, some interceptions have been, you know, a thing in this game. And so, like, that's the way that if things go badly, not just in this game, but really in general for Penn State, I think if things go badly, that's probably where it has to start. Yeah. And, like, especially with Landon Tangle, like, you know, missing the whole season, obviously, very shortly beforehand, now his whole career, him retiring just for the year. You know, I don't think he's like an all-world guard or anything like that, but he was certainly a very steady presence at left guard. They could trust a lot more. Replacing him so soon before the season, I think, is a whole different element to the interior of his Penn State O-line. So I'm very curious to see that. And also, what does the run game look like? Like, I, I think um, their linebackers had a tough time uh, last week with with Devin Neal uh, at Kansas and also with Jalen Daniels, the Russian attack. And with, but, da- yeah, and with Daniel Eyshaw. I was going to say, Devin Neal yeah. 10 carries 120 yards and a touchdown. Daniel Eyshaw 12, 98 and a touchdown. That doesn't bode super well, given what Penn State has. Right <laughs> no, that's true. But, but the thing I was going to say is that for what it's worth, like the, I, I don't think it was necessarily the D-line. Like Illinois D-line did not play great. Don't get me wrong. Like The tackles got pressure. But that D-line as a whole wasn't keeping contained very well. However, it was kind of the linebackers that were allowing a lot of those second-level runs to happen. Uh, you know, Illinois has a younger linebacking core. I thought Gabe Jack is really good last year as a freshman. But, man, uh, Devin Neal had him on skates like three times last, last Saturday. Last Friday, sorry. And uh, – I am kind of curious to see how they learn from that experience. Obviously, Singleton and Allen are fantastic running backs, but I don't think either one is quite as shifty in the open field as Neil is, which is not a detriment to them. There's not maybe not two or three players in the country who are as shifty in the open field as Neil is, but it's a different kind of running back, and I am curious to see if Illinois does better with that. I, I think we're ultimately, as we all know here, kind of playing around the margins. Like Penn State's going to win this game, but I, I am curious as a test for Penn State's offense to see how they handle this Illinois defense and how Illinois' defense responds to what it learned against Kansas and, and against Toledo. The, the one other, I think, you know, can can Illinois run the ball in this game? Like, I, they're, they're, I think their running backs have some talent. I know that McCray is coming off an injury, and so I don't know, like, where he is, you know, but, but like – West Virginia kept that game close because they ran the ball. Like if you're talking about the margin, right? I think Illinois being able to run the ball is the difference between this being a game where people are watching in the fourth quarter and that and a game that people are not. Hmm. Yeah. And and they've also gotten, I think, some easy passes for Altmeyer. Like this is a kid who did not have much experience and he's he's completing his passes at a sixty eight and a half percent clip so far. He has already thrown three interceptions and four fifty four attempts, which is horrific. 
Um, <laughs> that, is, that is not what you want to see uh, from Luke Altmaier, but the kid can move as a rusher. Um, he has been able to hit his uh, short intermediate throws. And I think like Penn State, Penn State's bi- biggest advantage of their defense here is create a pass rush, right? Like they have guys that can just get after you all day, uh, chop Robinson up to a card. Like we know what these guys are capable of. So I am curious if Illinois tries to neuter that, you know, via Altmaier, but at a certain point in time, they're going to have to try to push the ball downfield. They're going to have to try to create explosives. And I just don't know that they can do that. And I think that's where ultimately they fall short. But I could see Illinois keeping this one like frustratingly close for the Penn State fans who want to kind of see a blowout and, and see an easy win to get some confidence going. But I think Illinois could keep it like a two or three score game instead of a four or five score game. Yeah, I think like that. I mean, I think that West Virginia game where it turns out to be 38-15, but it was was it 21-7 at the end of the third quarter? Like, I mean, I think a game yeah. like that is, is possible. All right, no fly list. Next up, Georgia Southern at Wisconsin, Big Ten Network. I'm worried about Wisconsin because of the way that it played last week. I don't think I'm worried about Wisconsin losing this game. I don't think Georgia Southern is good enough to win this kind of game. But if Wisconsin is unwilling to run the football, it would be basically just running Georgia Southern's offense, but with um, Tanner Mordecai, which Wisconsin is still more talented than Georgia Southern. But I don't think you should play into that kind of game. <laughs> if you're, you're you're playing away from the strengths pretty strongly against a team that I don't think could actually handle stopping the run even a little bit. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. Um, I don't know. I mean, but they also didn't run the football at all last week. I was going to actually run the ball. Like, like yeah. is Phil Lowe going to keep fucking around all season, or is he going to actually feed his best players? Yeah, that's what I want to see. This would be a really um, good time to just run the fucking ball. Just sixty yeah, times. Just run the ball. Dude. Just run the ball. You don't even need to throw it in this game. Georgia Southern is not stopping the run. Yeah, so I would like to see that. I'm interested to see what that looks like. Georgia Southern is competent and. That could be, you know, a, a decent enough test, especially for the Wisconsin defense to see a passing attack like that. Uh, next up here, Iowa State at Ohio, ESPNU. I, I don't, I don't think Ohio is going to win this game, but I sure would like it if Ohio won this game. I don't think Iowa State really has all that much going on this year. I would assume that the defense is good enough to win them this kind of game anyway. The talent advantage is such, but. I, I like Ohio better as a, as a program. I think Ohio has a lot more. Uh, exciting things to like on this offense specifically. Iowa State just doesn't really have any dudes on that side of the ball. I would think they can grind this out. Ohio never wins this type of game, but it would be cool if no. they, if they uh, did. I would like that. I mean, Iowa State might have the worst offense in the country, or close to it. Yeah. So that's kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um. Uh, what about Liberty at Buffalo? You got anything here? No, no, not really. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I would say I'm putting Buffalo in the concerned category, given that it just lost to Fordham. Um, can't be doing that. You can't lose to Fordham. Mo Linguist has taken some pretty dumb losses already in his tenure. I think he's very much uh, susceptible to that kind of thing. Maybe because this is a big game, they show up and they're ready to go. But I think Liberty is a good deal better, and I would guess that Liberty probably wins this game on the road. Yeah. Okay. Um, last one we have here in this section is a Louisville, Indiana, yeah. which we will watch out of deference to our, to our friends. Yeah. This is the, um, this is the cheese bowl. This is the cheese bowl. We love that. Um, we're all rooting for, for, uh, <laughs> I guess Indiana. I don't really care. I don't really yeah. care if Indiana wins Indiana this game. Indiana canceled this game next year. Do you see that? They, they bought their way out of this game. Yeah. Um, that's pretty funny. 
and like it's yeah. not necessarily wrong because they do need wins. They need to be <laughs> they need to be getting three wins out of the non conference, especially with the Big Ten getting yeah. better. But uh, it's a tough look all the same. I'll say this: uh, the good part for Louisville, like the exciting part this so far this season, has been that Jamari Thrash is out advertised as yeah. advertised rather. Yeah. Um, he already has ten catches for 170 yards and three touchdowns. Well, um, well, but Indiana has what I would assume is the best cornerback in the country, given what they did against Marvin Harrison, and so I, I would have to think that they can mm. shut him down. Yep, that's right. <laughs> uh, we're all expecting that, and if Indiana doesn't do that, it's a moral failing of their program, and we should treat as such. Um, that's right. That's All right. right. Afternoon. Uh, let's get to the afternoon games. Yeah. Most wanted. There's, there's no, yeah. no Guantanamo Bay games. Yeah. There, to, to say that there's a Guantanamo Bay game in the noon slate is even maybe a little bit generous. It's, uh, it's, it's that kind of week. You got some variety in here in the most wanted section. Minnesota at North Carolina, 3.30 p.m. on ESPN to lead it off. Just kind of a this is a bowl matchup. This is a game that you see in the fucking uh, the the Russell Athletic Bowl in yeah, 2009. Yeah, who scheduled this? I don't know. Some some jackass. Some some dipshit <laughs> who doesn't know what's going on. Um, I don't really know why you would. I don't really know why you would do this if you're either one of these teams. I guess I am kind of interested to see how North Carolina handles Minnesota's physicality that's usually something that minnesota has i also think minnesota's offense is too fucking bad to keep up with this you know this game even if the defense plays well i don't think minnesota can score uh, really at all against anybody and so i would imagine that north carolina still wins this game but it is you know fun to see them get punched in the mouth i guess that's that's a good uh, uh not really a test it's just kind of a you know fun thing to see happen in north carolina i like that yeah yeah i um I would like to see it as well. I mean, I think it's probably the second best chance of the day for a ranked team to lose. Yeah. Uh, other than yeah, other than Kansas State, I, I guess if you're counting the, the betting lines, I mean, Tennessee is a chance. Very, we'll talk about a bit. Very bleak. <laughs> yeah, very bleak. I mean, it's not a good week, dude. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Um, South Carolina at Georgia, also in this window. Probably nothing cooking here whatsoever. I, I guess I am curious to see spencer rattler play football and if he can do it uh georgia georgia's offense has looked kind of shitty for two weeks yeah you know the box scores look fine but their offense has been very slow starting yeah um which is kind of the bobo experience so there is like a game state here where if the, if georgia comes out of the gate slow and, and south carolina hits on their first drive or two where this game gets interesting into the second half yeah um but I would not bet on that. That's pretty much what I'm watching is just, I am curious to see what Georgia's offense looks like against an opponent. Basically, they've not really done that yet. They've, they've, you know, really torn through a couple of overmatched defenses. And like you said, it hasn't been all that pretty. So I am interested to see what they look like against an SEC defense, even if it's an SEC defense that we don't think is especially good. Um, this is mm-hmm. the first time that talent has been even in the same stratosphere. Uh, and so I'm, I'm curious just what this this Mike Bobo offense looks like. I'm, I'm going to probably keep an eye on that. Um, I would imagine that my main game in this slate is Tulane at Southern Miss, 4 p.m. on ESPNU. Don't know if Michael Pratt is healthy. That's going to make a big difference in the amount of interest that I have in this game. If he's playing, I think that this could be a banger. I would I would imagine that Tulane's going to win, but Southern Miss has a lot of uh, guys on offense. They can make some plays on that side of the ball. I think it could be high scoring. It could be fun. This is a fun matchup just in general. I like to see these two playing. 
um, should be a good environment. I am uh, in a in a bad slate. I am looking forward to this one as a game that could be interesting and that could be really informative. I think about both of these teams. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, um, Southern Miss got them last year. Like they 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 were what one of the one of the the only were they the only team that beat Tulane in the regular season last season? I think uh, so. That, that sounds correct. Yeah, I mean USC certainly enjoyed the postseason. No, uh, no, because they had two losses entering that game, right? They were eleven and two. Yeah. So they might have. Someone else beat them. Yeah, I don't remember. Who was it, it was. a Power Five game? Um, um, we can look it up. Oh, it was it was Ole Miss. I think I think Ole Miss did it. Damn, yeah. unjust world. Um, yeah. yeah, well that sucks. Um, all right, sure, I'll I'll buy. I mean, I'll. The answer is these games are all pretty bad, right? Yeah. So I'll just be flipping around, score watching. Um, Tulane at Southern Miss is on at 4 p.m. on ESPNU. We did that one. Um, Next up is Washington at Michigan State. Oh, just State. kidding. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm locked in today, dude. I'm locked in. <laughs> um, yeah, we were just talking. We were actually just talking about that one is the interesting thing. Yeah, Washington at Michigan oh, State. That's, that's <laughs> 5 p.m. on uh, fucking Peacock. I can't imagine that Michigan State is going to be particularly motivated for this football game, given the circumstances at hand. Um, and I don't think that the... Uh, the the matchup is especially favorable for Michigan State. Washington has been known to throw the football around, and Michigan State doesn't seem to have a whole lot of interest in doing that on defense. I don't think that they really... Not a lot of cornerbacks on this team. Not a lot of just defensive backs in general who can play college football on this roster. Um, I don't think this is going to go very well. I think I think that this could be one of those you know, ass kickings at home that you remember for a while if you are Michigan State. I think this could be one of those those history book games where you lose like sixty six to ten. I I don't I don't think this is gonna go very well at all for the Spartans. Yeah, I mean I I don't think the whole season is gonna go very well, right? I guess probably like more than anything else, like Washington's probably probably like the third or fourth best team they play the rest of the year too. So like, like they're yeah. probably in for several more of these yeah. is, is the tough part. Uh, maybe they get a little more organized as the, as the year goes on, but like just being thrust into this. That would be probably, hard for me to believe. <laughs> they would get more organized. I mean, I mean, look, this team is going to lose like eight or nine games. Yeah. Uh, they're really bad. Yeah. Um, and also we apparently are now, by virtue of talking about the Mel situation, just infested with these freaks in our mentions. I don't know if you had the same experience that I have, but I've had like 30 of them crawling all over me for the last two days. Um, it's not been fun. No. But, but it is one of the most deranged, if not the single most deranged fan base in all of college football. I know people say like, oh, most of them are all the same. There really is like a more annoying and cloying and like aggressive lunatic edge to the Michigan State fan base than any other one I've experienced. Yeah, there's there's a lot uh, brewing in those brains. There's a lot of chemicals going on. There's a lot of things that contribute to making Michigan State the way that it is, and it definitely it it, it plays over into yeah. the fan base pretty 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 significantly. Yeah. Uh, no the, fly. The Marvel the Marvel movies do contribute. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Sure. Uh, Patrick, we do have one more here. We do have Tulane at Southern Miss. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, game of the week. Uh, no, no fly list here. San Diego State at Oregon State, three thirty p.m. on FS1, and then Western Kentucky at Ohio State, four p.m. on Fox. Um, any thoughts here on either of these? I would imagine that one probably stands out to you more than the other. So I will say real quick, Oregon State's just a much better version of San Diego State. You don't need to watch that game. That's that's going to go a certain yeah. way. Uh, I mean, I will watch the Ohio State Air Force because that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, however, 
I don't know. Like, I don't think the way Western Kentucky plays football is conducive to them keeping it competitive. Like, they're probably the best team Ohio State's played yet this season, but their play style means they are not conducive to, like, making it competitive, in my opinion. Um, we'll see, though. We'll learn. I mean, like, Ohio State has had some weird substitutions at safety and at nickel um, throughout the first couple of weeks, so I'm curious to see how that holds up. They still have no pass rush, and I, I, even though, like, I don't expect much of one against uh, against you know WKU because of the way they run their air raid, their air raid, how many quick throws they hit. That I think there probably won't be much of a pass rush, but I'm sure that will cause even more anxiety among the fan base. Um, so that'll be fun. Yeah, we love that. I'll be I'll be monitoring the situation on the message board. Evening Abu Ghraib game of the week. We couldn't do it. Uh, we 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 couldn't not do it. Rather with uh, with Alan on the show, has to be the Abu Ghraib game of the week. Pitt at West Virginia, 7.30 p.m. on ABC. This is, uh, I'm going to say, you guys can try to sway me otherwise. This might be, I might be just missing something here. This is here because of the rivalry, not because of the football game. Is that is that fair? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I wanted to just be sure we were on Alan, the same Alan, Alan, you may have a dissenting opinion. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the rivalry and it's the... Uh, you know the 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 spectacle of one of these extremely proud teams in this rivalry that really hate each other is going to start the season one and two. Like I, I think, like the the fact that they've both lost actually gives this game some juice that it wouldn't have otherwise because these are two pretty middling football teams. And yeah, like, I, I, like Neil Brown could get fired if he loses this game, like Tuesday, mm-hmm. like maybe not immediately, but. Like, th- this is the beginning of the end if he doesn't turn it around here. Yeah, and I think, like like you said, one of these teams is going to go one and two. I also think last week's performance against Cincinnati really, like, adjusted my expectations for what Pitt would be this season. I, I, we knew the offense would be limited, right? Frank Signetti is on the staff. We knew they would not have a good offense. However, I did not think it would look that horrible and Phil Dracovic would struggle that much. I don't think Phil's a good quarterback. I, I don't think he's done much at the college level since his like first year starting at Boston College before all these injuries. And even then it was like, you know, it's he's a fun player, but he's not like what I would call like a top 25 or 45 or 65 college quarterback. Um, but completing less than a third of your passes and then like fighting with the fans after the game is not the way you want to start your tenure for pit football. Uh yeah, man. I don't know. Like that to me evens this whole game up. And again, WU is not is not really lighting the world on fire, right? Like they took care of business against Duquesne last week, but you know the offense struggled quite a bit against Penn State. Um, I don't think Garrett Green is. I think Garrett Green's like pretty actively terrible himself as well, right? Uh, CJ Donaldson might be, be the worse. Best. Yeah, yeah, he might be worse than, than Phil. But but CJ Donaldson might be the best player on the field, which is interesting for me. And and Pitt doesn't have, I think, the guys they had at running back last year. There's no Izzy on this roster right now. Um, I mean, what Ronnie Hammond had 11 carries, right, so far in the season. Like, like they're still finding who the running back is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand why Hammond isn't getting more carries. I think he's pretty clearly the best back Pitt has, and I, I don't quite get it. But he certainly is not, like you said, 11 carries on the season. The other part of this is, like, yeah, C.J. Donaldson could be the best player on the field. And Corey Kiner ran for 153 yards against Pitt. Like yeah. we can, I I can 
like say a lot of bad things about Pat Narduzzi, Pat Narduzzi's defense, the way his teams generally play. The one thing you can usually say is they stop the run. Like that is the one thing that Pitt has been, and before he was at Pitt, Michigan State was, was reliably good at stopping the run. And that just came completely out of nowhere. You talked about adjusting expectations. To me, that's the thing where if that doesn't get immediately corrected, this season could be a very bad season for Pitt. Not just like from, oh, I thought maybe they could be like third or fourth in the ACC to now they're going to be like six and six. I'm talking about like if if they're giving up 150 yards to, I mean, with respect to Cincinnati, not a great offensive line and not that good of a running back, what is going to happen when they play good ones? And this is a really yeah. good one. By the way, Zach Frazier might be an All-American center, too. Uh, West Virginia can block it all right, too. Uh, th- that's the part of this game where I'm like, if this is going to be the trend for Pitt, this is extremely concerning. Yeah, and I think also, like, just the combination, right? Like, the formula for, for Pitt under Narduzzi has been play well on standard downs, limit the rushing attack, and you know you have – they, they led the country in sacks three years in a row, right? They keep you, at, you know, behind the chains on third down. They get after you with that elite defensive line. And they create stops because of that. And, and, and at the same time, they, like I said, they run the football. They set the tone on offense. Uh, we had a stat uh, in our preview of them. They were 26-1 and one since 2019 when they ran for at least 140 yards in a game. Uh, and, like, that's just a test. That's like, like 140 yards is not that hard to achieve. It's rather a testament to, like, Pitt being able to control the clock and limit the opponent. And I don't know if they can do either of those things in this game, which is like a, just a question to their identity. Dude, I, I know you're in a circumstance here. I don't know how freely you feel comfortable speaking because you do have to like cover this beat a little bit. The decision to hire Frank Stignetti in the first place, then to bring him back after what we saw and to basically take this shift away from Mark Whipple uh, because Pat basically couldn't get along with him on a personal level and then to also bring in Phil Jakovic as your starting quarterback because he was a local kid. Like the series of decisions that have led to this offensive disaster so far are, are just purely on Pat Narduzzi's like stubbornness and arrogance, in my opinion. I agree with some of that. I think that Jakovic works if the game plan that you're talking about is working, right? If you're yeah. running the ball and you're stopping the run, and you're playing really good third-down defense, then a veteran quarterback who's probably not going to do a bunch of dumb stuff out there and and maybe isn't going to light the world on fire but can kind of be like – like they won a lot of games with Nate Peterman. Like, he, you know, they don't need in this in this plan to get great quarterback play to get the results they're looking for. But I think that all starts to fall apart if you're not – like that's what – like. They can't fall behind by two touchdowns in the first 10 minutes of a game. Like they just can't, they're not going to win. Yeah. They can't play. I'm not sure they've ever won a game where they fell behind two touchdowns at any point, let alone the first 10 minutes of the game. Like that can't be what they do. And Dracovic is not going to succeed. And this offense is not going to succeed playing from behind consistently. It's not built to do that. It's not capable of doing that. Like, and I don't think Dracovic's capable of doing that. They have two other quarterbacks on their roster that would be better at that if that's what they want to do, but that's not what they want to do. And so I think we may, I don't know, we'll see. Maybe they just had a really bad game on both lines and they'll figure it out and be able to run the ball and be able to stop the run. And then what they want to do as terms of like their quarterbacking and their offense will start to make sense. But if it doesn't, 
are they going to do what they did last year and just beat their head against the wall with a mediocre offense all year long because that was plan A and they're too stubborn to have a plan B? Well, you paint it that way. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, I did really expect Pitt to have one of the best O-lines in the country coming into this year, right? I think they had 84 returning starts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, There's no reason. I I cannot come up with a reason why that. I mean, they did lose Ryan Jacoby to an injury. Um, he's out for the year. They went with a, an inexperienced guy making his first start at guard. But man, there's like three, like three or four year starters on that line. That that just yeah that's, that can't happen. And also, like Dub, uh, look, if they're not good this game, I am seriously concerned because Dub, you had yeah. like one defensive lineman coming back, and Sean Martin. There was like no one really back on that D line, and Sean Martin's like fine you know what i mean like he's a plus yeah. starter but I, I wouldn't call him like a, a guy that's going to carry a d-line like there's not really much talent in the front uh, what lee, lee kapagva is there a linebacker i think for them but there's just not a lot of talent in the front for wu it's just hard for me to imagine how look man like Pitt absolutely should be able to do this they should be able to win this game we had wu projected as like a two and ten three and nine team this season coming in the year like, there's just no excuse for Pitt not to be able to impose their will and run the game plan. That's the way I do it. Pat, what do you what do you, what do you got here? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with all of that. It is, when you hear it laid out like that, it is very hard to see, like, what is the, what what possible, what can Pitt possibly do if these lines aren't good? What is the goal? What is the idea behind this? How do they not just become, you know, one of the worst teams in the ACC? That's the whole deal. That's, you got to be able to stop the run and you have to be able to run the football because Phil Drakovic is not leading an offense. That's not, he, he can... You know, like Alan was saying, maybe he can blend into an offense. Maybe he can be a game manager who doesn't make a bunch of mistakes. But you watch him throw the ball these last two weeks, it's not in the right place. The ball is in the wrong place, and it's not going to be in the right place. You can't you can't do that. You what can't was the be, stat with Bub Means? Uh, he was targeted what? 11 times without a catch? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Like, it is just, it's really hard to see a path for this program because it doesn't want to have a path that isn't running the ball and stopping the run and controlling the clock. And, you know, if it's, and that uh, gets to a feedback loop too. Like, yeah. okay, with respect to Bob means they might have the worst wide receiver group in the ACC. Yeah. Like, do they have yeah. a wide receiver that would even let forget start like regularly see the field for another ACC team and a conference that just like finds wide receivers on the side of the road pits are have to be the worst uh maybe boston college that like there's nobody else great, yeah great yeah i mean boston college best receiver yeah <laughs> the best receiver coming back transferred to fresno state and it's like the number two receiver there so <laughs> i i think <laughs> boston college might be worse but that's not a company you want to keep like you said that that is not uh you don't want to no one wants to be compared to jeff halfley anything really except like maybe good looks yeah um but uh you said yeah, it, Christ, that me. is a <laughs> Jeff Halfley is he's caked up. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, I'll, I'll say this for Pitt: they are still capable of like having a relatively good season. I don't think Pitt is like doomed. They can figure this out because the guys they thought were going to be contributors are still there, and the schedule still like I built in three losses to Notre Dame, Florida State, and Duke. Right? They are going to lose those games. I think it's inevitable. North Carolina is a kind of team they have been able to bully historically. Like North Carolina is just soft in the lines. And if Pitt gets its line play right by next week, or like hopefully this week, you know, that's still a team you can push around because Carolina is the soft, one of the softest teams in the country every year. Uh, and, and Pitt's game plan can work and get a classic, you know, Narduzzi ranked win. 
at home against those guys. But like, man, there's just some games on here you have to be worried about. Like, if they're not going to be able to do that, like, what does Pitt do differently from like Syracuse now? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, this is a good game to test that because, like, you look at West Virginia, and yeah, it's a lot of the same issues. It's a lot of like, what do you do? What do you do exactly? What is your what is your plan here? Quarterback is not good. The passing game is not particularly good. I like C.J. Donaldson, like we've said, and that that rushing attack is obviously, I think, more established at this point. But you should be able, if you are Pitt, to win this game. On I get it's on the road. I get that you've had you know you lose to Cincinnati, and that that resets the expectations. But like you guys have said. You should win this game. You are a better version of West, of West Virginia by a pretty wide margin, at least on paper. There's not really an excuse for losing this one, and if you do, I think it, it bodes really, really, really poorly for games with teams like Syracuse, because what is the advantage? Again, what is the—you're you're a team that wants to control the clock and run the ball and stop the run that can't do any of those three things, so now you're just a—you're a triple option team without any talent. You're Navy. It's, that's, that's nothing. That yeah. is, that's zero. That's not going to get you anywhere. I think they, Alan, I'll let me, you maybe kind of explain the context here. I'm going to talk about, because there were some comments in the media from the coaching staff and from Phil himself at the quarterback play. Uh, My opinion on this is also, I want to, I want to reference here. Uh, Christian Villeneuve is the backup quarterback at Pitt. His dad's tweet over the weekend was fucking hilarious. Did you see that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Do you, uh, do you want to explain that to me? I'll just let you kind of talk about the context here. But my opinion is essentially in short, if Dracovic does that, what he just did last week again, they need to have an incredibly short leash on him, like a end of the first quarter leash on him if he is doing that shit again. But I'll I let you, but that's my opinion. You, you, no, you give I agree with that. And I think it was really <laughs> good. Like, it's not like they have a scrub backup or an inexperienced young backup Actually, I think that freshman is, is pretty good. But, like, you know, this is a guy that's played. He's played at a high level uh, that they trust. If if it's not if it's not working, they've got to make a move. I felt like they stuck with Slovis way too long last year. Um, you saw what Nick Patty did in the Sun Bowl, and you're like, where was that all year? Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just can't um, – I can't see them sticking with Dracovic forever. But then, you know, talk about a guy in a position – that that like is is we're talking about how fragile it is and then goes and criticizes the fans after the game for booing the team that lost to Cincinnati at home and yeah I mean and then you know today uh offensive coordinator saying well we never we never considered making a change at quarterback I don't know like do is that true is that not true uh they need to consider it. Let me say that they need to, <laughs> they need to be talking about it this way. Very funny though that Signetti said that he was not even asked about it. He just brought it up that, that we didn't, always we a good sign. <laughs> we didn't consider making a change of quarterback, which smells me like well, you're thinking about thinking about it. Like yeah. you're thinking about it right now, which is what they need to be doing. They need to be thinking about okay, if this goes this badly again, when are we pulling the plug? Because it can't continue like that. Like Jerkovic doesn't need to be great for this plan to work, but he can't be that bad. Like it just, it, it, it can't happen. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. My I'm not benching my quarterback shirt has raised a lot of questions already answered by my shirt situation. Uh, yeah. um... <laughs> there, there are basically there are two uh, tried and true methods you can use to measure just sort of how a team is feeling and the, the general energy around a team early on in the season. It's by how early this one of the players or the coaches are complaining about the fans booing and how early one of the, <laughs> the players or coaches is talking about, uh, no, we're not considering a change of quarterback. And Pitt has checked off both of those things two weeks into the season that's not that's not where you want to be necessarily i wonder if you yeah. did like a google trends study of just every backup quarterback at the you know <laughs> across the course of a college how strong team. would it correlate to and wins yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah, just perfectly correlate to the team's wins and losses <laughs> we need to get our boy parker fleming on that yeah we that's the uh the the the, the jj mccarthy metric that's the <laughs> the Cade scale that's really good <laughs> yeah kenny guyton's your big cisco outlier um <laughs> that's fun though i love that that's great um Alan, do you, we don't really normally do score prediction this game, but we will make you do it. Um, <laughs> what is your prediction for this game? How do you see it playing out? And what's, what's your kind of final prediction here? I think it's going to be sloppy. Um, West Virginia is going to be super hyped up. They're, this is like the biggest game in 30 years in Morgantown, basically. Um, and <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Oh, God. Was it, <laughs> wasn't 13 9 in Morgantown? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, but, but, but 13 9 was like, okay, 13 9 was a big game. But the, but the not having played Pitt there in this long has built this game up to be a huge thing, way bigger yeah, than it is, but based on the, 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 the talents of these, these teams. Fair enough. Fair enough. And, um, so it's going to be a circus, uh, you know, that's a rowdy town. In general, it's going to be an insanely rowdy town. The West Virginia kids are going to be super amped up. There's going to be like a million penalties. A bunch of dumb stuff is going to happen. Both of the offenses are going to be bad because, well, they're both bad. Um, if I have to pick <laughs> the score of the game, it's going to be a weird score, right? I mean, this is the home of 13-9. You can't, you can't go picking Pitt at West Virginia and say it's going to be 24-17. You just know that the, the football gods are going to not allow that to happen. Uh, I do think it's going to be lowering. I will say that Pitt wins 19-16. Love that. Oh, we love that. <laughs> i love it do we get a safety or a two-point conversion or both like what, what's the uh, i that think doesn't go for two so i think the safety is more likely there oh that's um... gonna be good <laughs> i'd love to see it's it's uh it's mj devonshire friend of the show uh his uh it's his birthday isn't it right now? i wonder if he gets another pick six Ooh, uh, that'd be incredible could you imagine him plays for two years a pick it's two pick sixes in the brawl what a fucking career <laughs> I, that would be awesome but i think um so if you remember last year keaton slovis had some words for west virginia before the game and kind of did not back them up at all like he was okay at <laughs> one but like come on he wasn't like that but so this year marquez williams which is pitts like five foot eight like it's like if you oh, we love we know him we love him yeah it's like, <laughs> it's like if you yeah. if you combined like a bulldog and a cornerback like he's small but you still don't want to mess with that one uh so he was the one that came up with some words for west virginia this year and my immediate thought process is like oh he's gonna he's gonna back them uh so if you're if you're picking a pit defensive player to have a big game also he's five eight which is why like he's on no one's draft profile 
but mm-hmm. he's like as tough as nails and fast and has good hands. West Virginia's wide receivers aren't that good and they're not that big. I think he could have a big game in this one. You want to pick a guy to, to kind of to single out there. That'd be the one I'd go with because in a, in a circus like atmosphere, like crazy game, he's, he's the guy I want. Like that, that's the guy I'm going to battle with. He's like just outside of the Devin Witherspoon zone, right? Where Witherspoon was like that kind of nasty motherfucker. But he was also Witherspoon was like a, like Williams is old. He was a 2018 recruit. Yes. Uh, and he's also too like Witherspoon was not a prototype guy. I think they ended up listing him at like six foot. That guy's like five ten, five ten and a half. Come on. And is like uh, was a little bit older. I think he was drafted at like like 22.9 or something like that. Like Marquise is just outside of both those metrics, but just from a vibe standpoint, he has like a Witherspoon style vibe to me. Yes. Uh, and we love we loved him all last year. So uh-huh. yeah, I'm excited for this one. I- I'm just looking forward to having I just like watching the brawl, man. I, I told this story in the podcast before. I think Alan, you may know it personally as well, but uh, I went to a brawl with my uncle when I was like nine or ten. It was at Pitt, but I had a beer poured on my head by a WU fan as like a child. Uh, <laughs> <and laughs> to me, that's really set my tone for college football, like for the rest of my life. Uh, that's kind of how I, I the energy I take into every game now. Yeah. So I, I have fond memories this game as a kid. I love this rivalry. Uh, I miss it when it was at its heyday when both these teams were ranked most years. Uh, I'm excited just to, every time we get to watch this game be played, I love it. There was like a picture in one of the, I don't know if it was on Twitter, if it was on one of our like West Virginia fan forums, but it was like a person taking a picture from the Walmart battery aisle. It's like stock up for Saturday. <laughs> like, that's so perfect. <laughs> like Pitt, West Virginia. <laughs> it really is like one of those rivalries, like, you just don't get like pure hate in a rivalry like you do outside of Pitt W. I really don't. I think it really is the most disrespectful, pure hatred rivalry in the sport. Especially like from the West Virginia side North. I think it's, it's like, that's I Pitt fans don't like West Virginia fans, but West Virginia fans really hate Pitt fans. Like it is, yeah. it is a, it is a part of their culture. And, <laughs> it's uh, also, it's sorry to interrupt, but it's so fucking but, funny like thinking of like pit fans as like the hoity-toity northerners oh. like <laughs> oh no no i love this i make this i think i made this joke last year is like like 364 days a year we talk about pittsburgh like oh iron and steel and blue collar toughness and then when they play yeah. west virginia suddenly they're just like these these ivory tower academics that that you know hey yin's down the jazz club again this weekend looking down their theater glasses in morgantown like it's a bunch of hicks i'm like no that's not how it is Uh, i love it yeah just like two guys in hunting gear like yelling at each other that one's a redneck uh Oh man! Just, just, just spitting tobacco spit at each other across the board. Like that's that's what we have here. I love it, man. Uh, Alan, thank you so much for coming on. I, I know you plug the sites too, but uh, where can they where can people find you at on Twitter? Yeah, at a Saunders underscore PGH is me. Um, I retweet all the site stuff all the time, but PGH Sports now, PGH Steelers now, WVSN, Nittany SN. We got all the stuff. Come check it out. Yeah. Al is the best. Uh, thanks again so much, buddy, for coming out. I really appreciate it. You guys and- are the best. Thanks for having me. Love your podcast. Love all your work. It's hilarious.
All right, Guantanamo Bay game, James Madison at Troy, 7 p.m. on the NFL Network. Classic place for a college football game to be. This is great. This mm-hmm. is a, this is a good game. I like this one quite a bit. High-quality Sun Belt matchup. Probably the two best teams in the Sun Belt. Should be a good environment. Troy looking to bounce back after losing pretty badly to Kansas State. I think that that defense is the best thing in this game. Pretty clearly the best unit in this game. Uh, James Madison, meanwhile, riding high off of a win over Virginia. Their offense has not really missed a beat with a new quarterback. I think that they have been just about excellent so far this season. Very, very excited to see this matchup. This is really good. Really good styles clash. Two really good football teams should be physical, should be really high quality. I don't really know who's going to win this game, and I I think that I'm going to be pretty much locked into watching this and finding out. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably like the most, uh, the most important game in terms of like conference title implications on the day. Yeah. Right. Is that fair to say? But well, James um, Madison can't win the conference title, but yes, for, for Troy specifically. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, for like, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. You're right. The transition, but I, I guess for like, that's so, it's so mm, stupid that they still can't do that shit. Come on. They're like one of the best teams yeah, in the conference. I guess like what I should say is for to be the best team in your conference implications in this yeah. case. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. It probably is the most important. This yeah, is this but... is basically if James Madison is as good as it wants to be this year, this is the conference championship game for them. This would be the best opponent that they'll play this year. And likewise for Troy, right? I mean, you you kind of uh, got to come out here and and defend home turf a little bit uh, after that ass whooping to Kansas State. Like, I mean, obviously we didn't come to beat Kansas State, but like being pretty non competitive in that game and not yeah. limiting the Kansas State offense is pretty tough. So, um, got to kind of defend home turf here and. They've got a tough little schedule here, so uh, I mean, got to win this game. Yep. Most wanted, Tennessee at Florida, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think Tennessee could fuck this up, but I don't think they're going to. I would imagine that Florida is not good enough to pull that off quite yet. Um, you could maybe find an interesting game within this game. I I don't know that I would be willing to give it that kind of patience because I think that the, the best case scenario for this being competitive is Tennessee being bad, is, is Tennessee not playing well. Yeah, I mean, it's just Joe Milton doing Joe Milton shit, right? And just, yeah. like, not being able to defense defenses, throwing picks. Like, if Joe Milton's that far off, again, we think Florida's pretty shitty, and I think we're pretty justified in that. But Tennessee is not good enough, like, everywhere else. They can afford to have a terrible Joe Milton game. And, and Florida does theoretically have the talent, even just the Pearsall and the running backs on offense, to kind of punish Tennessee if they're on their game. Yeah. Um, you should not let turnovers and possessions mount up here if you're Tennessee. Yeah, would be something to consider for sure. San Jose State at Toledo, 7 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. Weird matchup. Very weird matchup. I don't mind these Mountain West and MAC crossovers. Um, I think San Jose State is probably just about decent this year. They've not really shown me a ton more than that, but I do think that they're competent. Toledo, just a good test. This is a good test against a team that has relatively equal talent. Toledo is... is on paper better. Toledo should win this game, but uh, it's a fun home game. It's a fun test. Uh, G5 non-conference matchup. We've talked about before we want more of these helmet games in the G5. I think this is uh, firmly pretty good. This is a good game to have maybe on the laptop, toss it up on ESPN+. Plus. Um, I think it's okay. It's it's a fun matchup. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's a game, right? It's a game. Yep. And um, then uh, Wyoming at Texas, 8 p.m. on Longhorn Network. Any chance here? Nope. Nope, probably not. <laughs> it would be the most. It would be the funniest Texas result of all time. Oh yeah, is lose this game right to beat Alabama. I mean, that is very funny to consider. But yeah, I have oh, to say, no, just, just think about all of the things about it that would be perfect. The fact that they already that Wyoming already beat Texas Tech. 
um, that it would be on Longhorn Network that you're losing to Wyoming at home, that it's coming off of the Alabama game, uh, that you're going to the SEC next year, all of it. It would be fucking perfect. It's not going to happen, but it would be so good. Um, boy, this would... <laughs> This would make me so happy. Even just a tight game to rattle their confidence and get everyone to shut up about them. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that would be um, great. And that would also plant the seeds for the eventual complete collapse that Texas will have in October and November. Uh, this would be the game where you first you first start <laughs> to see the infighting uh, that then eventually completely kills the culture of the team and, and uh, you know, fractures the locker room. So, Wyoming, we know you can do it. Craig Ball, it's time that. for you to, yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to, to spread disinformation and to sow discord in the texas football locker room we believe in you you can do it no fly list i'm just gonna rattle these off let me know if you see anything worth uh mentioning here uh northern illinois at nebraska 7 p.m on fs1 miami of ohio at cincinnati rivalry game 7 p.m on espn plus south alabama at oklahoma state 7 p.m on espn plus byu at arkansas 7 30 p.m on espn2 Syracuse at Purdue, 7.30 p.m. on NBC, and TCU at or at Houston, rather, 8 p.m. on Fox. Anything uh, tickle your fancy there? Uh, TCU at Houston, uh, either, one of those two teams will be pretty embarrassed. They both had some bad losses to the year against teams they should beat. Yeah. Um, so that'll be fun to see which coach is a more hot water. I, not that Pat, they're not priced up, that, that, uh, that Dykes will be any kind of hot water whatsoever, obviously, but like, People yell at him uh, for Holgerson, who's this game, which he probably could will. I don't know. Um, yeah, distinct possibility. Um, they just lost to yeah. Rice. Wouldn't be that hard to lose to they TCU. They lost to Rice. <laughs> uh, Purdue should probably win this game against Syracuse with Gazanel. Uh, so that's kind of takes away the biggest reason to watch Syracuse. Um, South Alabama probably should be Oklahoma State on the road, right? Like, that should yeah. be a game they win. I would is agree. that crazy to say? No, I would agree with that. Oklahoma State's offense is fucking awful. It is It is really, yeah. really nasty stuff that they've got going on there. Um, yeah, I think South Alabama absolutely should win that game. Uh, and then BYU-Arkansas, yeah. I do want to mention only for the, the, the quote from the Southern Utah coach um, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up that was basically just saying that uh, – BYU isn't very good <laughs> after they played. Um, they just, uh, I think BYU won that game 41-16. to 16, And the coach said, yeah, he's quoted here in the Salt Lake Tribune, quote, uh, they are just okay. Southern Utah coach says he worries about BYU's chances in the Big 12. He's right. They are, I would even say, worse than just okay. I think they're outright bad. I would guess that Arkansas is going to win this game pretty comfortably. BYU is not good at anything. It's, it doesn't do anything. No, they don't do anything at all. Um, speaker teams do nothing at all as well. Nebraska, Northern Illinois, just just remembering that game's on. Mm. I think they're they should win this game. Yeah, but if Jeff Sims turns the ball over three times again, anything is possible. This would be so funny. Jeff Sims losing to NIU again. He did it at Georgia Tech. <laughs> He's already done it before. This motherfucker can't stop losing to NIU. That would be really really good. Um. Yeah, well, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of you know just junk there. You can toss it all under your plate. It's a big football buffet this week. Late night, two games on the no fly list: Colorado State at Colorado, 10 p.m. on ESPN, and Fresno State at Arizona State, 10:30 p.m. on FS1. Two extremely different games because of where the strength of the game lies. You have Pac-12 versus Mountain West, one of which where the Pac-12 team is much better, one of which where the Mountain West team is much better. I would guess that these are both blowouts. I don't think either one of these games is going to be even kind of close. I tend to agree. Isn't game day at Colorado? Uh, I know the, I think the Fox one is, I don't know. 
if if game day is. I don't remember which one it was that was staying there. It was the one that had been there the week before. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think Fox is. I think that Fox is there for the fucking... I think it kind of sucks, like, in a week this bad, they're doing that instead of going to W. Yeah, they just didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> they were already there for Nebraska, Colorado. Uh, just didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of, you know... It's something to put on. These are games that will be on late at night. You can watch them. It's they have there are uh there are a combined two interesting teams in these two games, and so that's something, I guess, if you want to see one of those. So Ryan, anything else before we get out of here? No, man, what a horrible slate. Good God. Just just try to enjoy the weekend, have fun. Yeah. Um just scoreboard. The the recommendation here is just scoreboard watch a lot. Yeah. Um try to find competitive games and just um Open your horizons. Watch some some teams you otherwise would not watch all season uh, if they're in a close game because yeah. that's all you could do. Yeah. Oh, I'm actually seeing we missed a game here. It's, uh, let me see, uh, Tulane at Southern Miss, 4 p.m. on ESPNU. So if you're trying oh, to broaden okay. your horizons, okay. you might want to look into that one. Something to think about. Um, yeah, we'll catch you guys on the recap.